just needs to go on a search and rescue or something along that effect. Uh, they trained us in the use of the radios, and you know, it was just kind of a big boy kind of thing to do, and really cool for a college kid. I, I mean, I just I loved it. Uh, we had, we backpacked hundreds of miles, and uh, I know that park like the back of my hand. And it's such a beautiful country. If you've never been, definitely go. Um, on this particular uh, event, uh, the Rangers called in a bunch of us uh, young guys because they needed some legs on the ground. There was a search and rescue going on. Uh, a, a man and his son had, uh, they, when you go to the park, you backpack, you get a backcountry pass, which basically lets the Rangers know where you're going to be. So in case you come up missing or, or anything happens, then they can send in people to help you out. Uh, and so that's why they do that backpack, that backcountry permit thing. Uh, this one particular gentleman had filled out his backcountry permit. Uh, we knew that he was supposed to be on Mount Lacan with his son. And Mount Lacan's one of the taller, uh, mountains in the Smokies. I think it's shorter than Cleveland's Dome by just a few feet. Uh, this particular mountain is isolated and there's only one way to get there and that's backpack a minimum of uh, six miles. And, you have to go up some in some trails a couple of thousand feet, so I believe that's right. Um, but it's a it's a long hike and it's hard hike. Um, this we had a very unusual uh, heavy snow. I mean the mountains do get a lot of snow, but this one was quite quite the whopper, and it was unexpected. So this man and his son they didn't come out of the park when they were supposed to. And they didn't go home when they were supposed to. And so uh, the man's wife was quite concerned, contacted the park. And then uh, we started backpacking and looking for them uh, to go, you know, fearing the worst, that they were uh, hypothermic or, or something like that. Because uh, if you've ever been to Smokies, whenever the weather turns, it turns quickly. And it's pretty crazy. It's very cool how that happens. But you have to be prepared. Even when the day's warm, it can turn off in snow just in an hour's time. So, um, heavy snowfall. Uh, we're called in. I think there was there was six of us in our party. Six young uh, college kids. Uh, three of us took one trail, uh, the Alum K Trail up Mount Lacan. And the other one, which is I took, went to uh, Mount Lacan via the Boulevard Trail. And so our idea was that by covering as many trails as we could with the number of people we had in the snow, that uh, in these two trails were most popular, then certainly we would encounter this man and his son along the trail if they were stuck somewhere and we could call in the rangers and they could helicopter them out if they needed it or get them some type of emergency assistance. So we hiked all day long in uh in the snow, and I mean, my hike I think was I think it was about nine miles that day. Exceedingly hard hike because it had lots of winter gear, very heavy pack, uh, extra boots. Even you know we're just we're just ready uh, because we knew we we're going to get wet. Uh, crampons and all those good things for the ice on the trail, and uh, it's just a hard day's hike. I just remember you know the, the snow was up to my knees, and you know I knew where the trail was. Pretty well easily see where the trail was just by the indentation on the trees and you know on, on the ledges. I was familiar with the trail anyway, so it's no big deal. But just a long, hard day, and man, uh, 
story short, on arrival, we didn't see the father, the son. We didn't see any sign of them falling off the mountains. We saw no trails off that. We broke fresh snow all day long. Um, and I still don't know what happened to the man and the son. I think they ultimately they had changed their plans and didn't tell anybody, something like that. They were fine. Nobody died. Um, but after we hiked all day long to get up to the top of Mount Lacan, um, one thing about this mountain is, you know, it is, uh, there's a small cabin that the rangers have up there for trail maintenance people and guys just like us, you know, that were helping the park and the rangers themselves. Um, because it is such a hard hike to get up there. If you want to do any kind of substantial work, well, you need a place to, to, uh, rest in, in relative comfort, if you will. So this, uh, little cabin, it was about the size of, Probably about a one-car garage, I'd say. Um, maybe, maybe a little smaller than that. It's quite confined, low ceiling, and I had a wood, had a oil burning stove, and uh, had a, I specifically remember a, a heavy door on it with a latch and lock and all those good things. Um, screens over the windows to keep the bears out of the cabin, but just this cozy little worker's cabin, uh, and on. Within the cabin, there were, I believe this is correct, that there were six bunks, I think uh, three high on each side. Uh, uh, that's important that you remember that. Because so you got this little cabin, um, six bunks up the walls on each side of the cabin, oil, stove, and that's all that's in this cabin. After finished hiking the day, we, we had our meals. We cooked up some, some things on our whisper light, had a nice hot meal, and and uh, had some hot beverages. We did not consume alcohol that night. I remember because we were too tired to even bother getting drunk. We did have alcohol. Just for full disclosure, we didn't drink any of it. We were not on drugs. We did not smoke any dope or anything like that. So before I you know that, we were just fatigued and so tired. Um, we were so glad to get warm in the cabin, uh, get, get some of our clothes drying out again, and just really glad that the day was over with. Uh, after finishing our meal, we, we hit the racks, and the temperature that night, I think, got down to about two degrees. Uh, wind was howling outside. Wind was blowing across the mountain, as it, it all normally does. And it was uh, just really, really cool, uh, beautiful night. I just like those nights when, they, when you're in the woods and the weather's active and and uh, winds blowing and, and snowing and snowed some more that night. Not a whole lot, but just, you know, kind of dusting on top of what was already there. Um, but it was, the uh, stars were out. Beautiful night. So we uh, we radioed to the rangers, told them where we were, told them, gave them a status update, and ate our meal, and we, we got into our sleeping bags. And so we all had these, you know, zero degree sleeping bags or minus 10 sleeping bags where you zip up. They're all mummy style. You know, they wrap over your head. And, and basically all you've got is your eyes sticking out if you've got it on correctly. And you can actually sleep on the buff on these things and they actually work better that way uh, against your body and they keep you very warm. So we were all in our mummy bags. We're all zipped up. The door's locked. Uh, we got got our stuff ready for breakfast the next morning, you know, just taking care of our business. And, man, let's just get some sleep. I'm so ready to go to sleep. I'm 
so I'm so tired. My bones are achy. I got a little bit of a headache from all the work. I'm just so ready to go to sleep. So we finally, uh, one by one, I, thought, I, don't, I don't know. I just remember there wasn't a lot of clowning around that night. Us guys, we got into our sleeping bag, zipped up, and out we went. Then, I don't know how long we were asleep. But something started howling and screaming outside of that cabin. It was horrible. It was horrific. Uh, it sounded something very similar to this. Yeah! Oh dear God! I woke up and something was screaming on the outside of this cabin. And it wasn't screaming a little. It was screaming a lot. Then, the something started beating on the side of this cabin. I have a lot of experience with black bears. Black bears, you know, they're, they climb, they scratch, they'll, you know, they'll pat and they'll hit. But they don't hit like this thing was hitting the side of this cabin. The door, I specifically remember the door flexing on the very top of the door, flexing in as this thing, whatever it was, was pounding on the outside of the door. We, I, I'm looking out of my mummy bag to my buddy who's directly across on, in another bunk. I think I was on the third bunk high. I'm looking across and he's looking at me. And you think, you, yeah, here's where it's interesting for me. You think that, you know, six tough former football players in shape, full of, you know, manhood, uh, testosterone, we can do anything. You'd think those guys, guys like that, we would zip that sleeping bag and, you know, grabbed our weapons and let's, you know, kick its ass, whatever it is, you know, if it breaks that door and I'm killing them. Oh, no, 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 no. When you have true fear, you freeze. You freeze. I remember the distinct feeling of being so helpless in that sleeping bag. And knowing that if whatever it was that was beating on that door came inside, that it was just going to kill us. Because I couldn't even vocalize to my friends anything. In fact, all of us were awake. All of us were looking at each other. None of us said a word and none of us moved. I found that, I found that fascinating because I still remember that fear. This thing was raising hell outside of our cabin. And the, and the beating on the door, I specifically remember just kind of like a rumbling, just like, and then it was, and then it was gone. I, we, the, the cabin returned to Stone Cold Files. Nobody said a word. Somehow, I remember going back to sleep. And, and I'm sure we were just so tired and fatigued, we, we all just kind of, I guess one by one, went back to sleep. We woke up the next morning, unzipped our bags, put our clothes on, you know, got all of our warm stuff on, ready to hike out and back to, head on back to Knoxville, back to, back to college. We opened up, nobody saying a word, 
We make breakfast. We're packing, we're all packing very quickly. All six of those guys. We normally would goof around, you know, have some coffee, whatever. This morning is very different. We're all just very business-like, and, and the only thing we're talking about is, uh, you know, hey, John, you left your, you left your bag unzipped or whatever, zip it up. And we're just very business-like, getting it done. We get back on the trail. Um, uh, we walk just outside the cabin door, and we there's tracks. And there's big tracks. Um, by that time, you know, the wind, it had been a windy night. There was just these big indentions in the snow. There wasn't anything specific as far as counting toes. I'm not going to lie to you, but there was these big impressions outside that cabin door in the snow. And of course, the snow and the new snow had fallen had wiped them out, which I was really glad that I did not see distinct impressions, by the way. At that moment, I just couldn't handle it. But they were there. So, uh, we know that nobody was in on Mount McCoppin Hunt because the weather was so bad. We know because we work with the park rangers, we knew where they all were. By the pure reason that it was so cold and Albuquerque was so hard to get to and, and the conditions were so inhospitable that night, there's no way this was a practical joker at all. Nobody would, I mean, whoever would do that would be completely insane. But what I heard wasn't human. What I found pounding, what I heard pounding on the door, that can be done by a man. The fuck's that door that high up? So, we get our stuff on, we're, we're hiking out, and we're moving at a good pace. Nobody's talking. Uh, we hiked about two miles down off the mountain. The sun was up, you know, high in the sky now. We started to feel a little comfortable, I guess. But we had not spoken much at all until we stopped. And everybody took their packs off and sat down. And I specifically remember one of my buddies going, Okay, guys, now what the hell was that last night? And we all said, looked at each other and said, I don't know. That's all that we talked about. We put our packs back on, and we could not wait to get back home. No, we didn't tell any rangers that night, because, quite frankly, they would thought we were smoking dope or something. And, and nobody would believe us anyway. Well, I'm telling you, in my mind and heart, Bigfoot absolutely exists. Absolutely exists. Um, people say, well, why didn't you find the body? Well, if, you do, if you've ever spent any time in the backcountry at all, you know there's bears out there, but yet you never find a bear bone. You know there's deer out there, and you will, you will find deer bones occasionally, a jawbone or something like that. But even those bones disappear pretty quickly. Nature cleans up after itself. Um, I don't, I see absolutely no reason why Bigfoot doesn't exist. But I will, to the day I die, remember the fear, the paralyzing fear that came over me and five other big strapping dudes that night on Malmacott in the Smoky Mountains. Bigfoot is real. I would. I never, ever want to hear that sound again. Never, ever, ever.
that was uh, Tim Hall doing his uh, recounting his Bigfoot story. But uh, before we get into the encounter, happy Thanksgiving.